Till God said, let Newton be. And all was light. So writes 18th century British poet Alexander Pope, capturing in one clever couplet the effect folks like Sir Isaac Newton had on the world. Nature and nature's laws lay hid in night. Till God said, let Newton be. And all was light. In other words, there was once such a thing as mystery in the world. There was once such a thing as wonder. But then scientific rationalism came along and took mystery right under. And from that point forward, Pope's couplet is suggesting, all could now be apprehended. All could now be described. All could now be completely understood. And meanwhile, if something now couldn't be apprehended, if something now couldn't be described, if something now couldn't be fully understood, well then, that thing was no longer real no longer worthy of our time or our trust or our commitment. For God had said, let Newton be. And with it, the benighted world had been enlightened and humankind had become the measure of all things. Now, I won't belabor this point on this Easter Sunday, I promise. I'm well aware that you didn't show up this morning to hear about Isaac Newton or scientific rationalism or the Age of Enlightenment. I'm well aware of that. But I quickly bring these things up today because in order to make the point I ultimately want to make on this Easter Sunday 2021, I need to first say a quick word on how detrimental these developments were for historic Christian faith. And by that, I don't mean that these things somehow explained away the claims of historic Christian faith, or that they in some way threatened to expose Christian faith as a farce. Instead, I mean that in response to these things, Countless Christian theologians and ministers soon began arguing for the truth of Christianity on these altogether new terms. Suddenly, in order to defend God, one felt he or she had to somehow prove that God existed, which was and is a preposterous thought that a human being could ever prove the existence of God. And likewise, suddenly, in order to defend the reality of Christ's resurrection, one had to prove that such a thing as resurrection was even scientifically possible, which is also utterly ridiculous. And thus, three centuries and some change later, here many of us still are, followers of Christ and people ostensibly of faith, too often believing the lie 
that for our faith to be real, we must be able to prove and defend its rationality. Well, might I remind us on this Easter Sunday, 2021, that according to the writer of Hebrews, faith is, quote, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Not, you'll notice, the substance of things hypothesized, the evidence of things empirically seen. C.S. Lewis writes, and I quote, All nonsense questions are unanswerable. And then he goes on to give these examples. How many hours are there in a mile, he asks. Or is the color yellow square or is it round? Probably half the questions we ask, Lewis goes on, probably half of our great theological problems, he says, are like that. In other words, perhaps, Lewis is saying, when we make ourselves and our minds the measure of all things, and when we then try to prove such things as God and Christ's resurrection by means of rationalism and scientific inquiry, well, perhaps, Lewis is saying, in such cases, we unwittingly find ourselves trying to prove how many hours there are in a mile, or trying to prove just how round the color yellow really is. My point with all of this being, after Mary Magdalene beheld the risen Jesus that first Easter and ran back to the disciples to tell them about it, after Thomas touched the risen Jesus' nail-pierced hands and confessed, my Lord and my God, after the Apostle Paul was struck blind by the risen Jesus en route to Damascus and had his entire life rerouted because of it, after all of that, after these direct encounters with the risen Jesus, still not one of these people could prove what they had beheld as if resurrection were something observable under a microscope or something demonstrable on a spreadsheet. No, no matter how many people these eyewitnesses later told, and no matter how many people they later convinced to believe it, still not one of these eyewitnesses testifying to the truth, to the fact of the resurrection, not one of them ever fully understood what they were testifying to. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's why they didn't. Because if the resurrection did indeed happen, then by its very nature, it is an event from outside of this world. And thus, it is of a reality qualitatively different than this present reality. 
which is to say we do well on this Easter 2021 to understand that if the resurrection is indeed what we as Christians claim it is and have always claimed it is, then it is a brief foreshadowing of a reality altogether different than the one that we presently inhabit. Which therefore means that if the resurrection happened, then it is an event that by its very nature cannot be understood by the same tools and with the same senses and within the same frameworks and with the same kind of exhaustive understanding that all other events in this present world can be. Let me show you all of my cards here. By this point in my ministerial career, I've preached a fair many Easter sermons. And I now realize that in far too many of these, I have followed the lead of those countless Christian theologians and ministers before me who, in response to the age of reason, have tried to prove the reality of Jesus' resurrection on logical and rationalistic terms, thinking that if I just laid the case out compellingly enough, then reason alone would compel one to see. But I now see how captive my own mind had been taken by the Enlightenment mind, by the governing belief that to demonstrate that something is true, that to demonstrate that something is real, that that thing must be presented as purely logical and as something at least theoretically open to complete understanding. But the simple truth is, when it comes to demonstrating the truth of the resurrection, pure logic and exhaustive understanding are quite literally impossible. Now, I'm certainly not the first preacher to point this out. In fact, the Apostle Paul draws his first letter to the Corinthian church to a close by trying to remind the Corinthians of this very thing, that the resurrection, fact though it is, nonetheless remains a mystery to us as human beings. Something that we can trust in, but something that we will never be able to fully explain. Something that absolutely happened, but something that we will never be able to prove happened. Something that we can't fully understand but something upon which we can and should nonetheless stake our lives. And here's why we should do that, according to the Apostle Paul. Because if the resurrection did indeed happen, and oh, how I believe it did indeed happen, 
Because if the resurrection did indeed happen, then it is the single most important event in the history of the universe. And because if the resurrection did indeed happen, then it is a message from without about the grand design for all things here within. And because if the resurrection did indeed happen, then it is of its very nature something that we as finite human beings could never fully understand. And so it is that the Apostle Paul writes that while the resurrection sounds like foolishness, it is nothing less than the power of God on display. And so he writes, recapitulating his entire case, and so he writes, I would remind you in the end of the simple message that I first proclaimed to you. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was then buried, and that he was raised on the third day, and that he then appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and that he then appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, that he then appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, Paul writes, then as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This I have proclaimed to you, Paul reminds the Corinthians, and this you have come to believe. And so here Paul, the great Christian preacher, is saying to them, behold the wonder of it all. For the wonder alone is enough. And trust the credibility of we who are its messengers, he's saying. For we have proven our integrity. And then realize the difference that this inexplicable fact has made in our lives and in others' lives and in the wider world around us. And then trust that such difference can only be explained by supposing the story, ludicrous as it sounds, to be true. You don't have to understand it all, Paul is saying. You don't have to be able to prove it. You simply have to place your trust in it. And then be amazed by how this mystery from without begins to change everything here within. In John chapter 20, John, describing the moment when he and Peter first beheld the empty tomb, he writes, quote, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again. For as yet, he writes, they did not understand. As yet. 
But the truth is, even later, even after they had encountered the risen Christ, still they didn't fully understand. Oh, they now had more than sufficient ground for trust, but that in no way means that they now fully understood. No, even they, even they who beheld the risen Christ, even they still saw through a glass dimly. Even they still knew only in part and were thus able to explain only in part. But, and follow me here, what they did not understand completely did not prevent them from trusting in that which they didn't completely understand. Do you follow that? And so here then is the simple takeaway to this not-so-simple sermon. Dear family, hundreds if not thousands of people testified to the fact of the risen Jesus. Meanwhile, within a matter of months, tens of thousands of people all across the ancient Near East and all throughout the Mediterranean somehow came to believe that a Jewish peasant, a man summarily crucified by the Roman military, was nonetheless the Son of God, risen from the dead, and then somehow that preposterous story began to spread its way across the entire globe down through two millennia to where you and I are talking about it today. I can't argue for Jesus' resurrection in a sufficiently compelling way that will provide you or anyone verifiable proof and complete understanding. And anyone who tells you that he or she can is lying. But I can tell you that these simple facts alone, in fact, the single fact alone that this is such a ridiculous story, that unless it were also true, we'd have never even heard about it, I can tell you that, to my mind, this is more than sufficient grounds for placing our trust in it, even if we can't fully understand it. Norman MacLean writes, you can love completely without complete understanding. Well, so it is with the resurrection of Christ. We can give ourselves over to it completely. We can love God. We can trust in Christ. We can anchor our lives in his resurrection. Even without completely understanding any of it. So let me then close by showing you how this works on a much smaller scale. Shortly after we arrived in Anderson, I was putting Ada down to bed one night, 
lying there beside her just as we finished our evening prayer. When suddenly she put her little fingers on my wedding band and said to me, Who gave you this ring, Daddy? I was taken aback by the question because I knew she knew its answer. So I replied, Mommy did. On the night we got married, I've told you that before. Well, she thought about that for a moment, and then she said, Why do you wear it every day? Well, I thought about that for a moment. And then I responded saying, I wear it every day because it's like a promise. By having these rings on our fingers, it means that mommy and I will always be there for one another. And Ada got quiet for a moment, and then she said, Daddy? And I said, Yes, sweetheart. And then she said, Will you ever take it off? And then cupping her little hand in mine, I said, no, sweetheart, I never will. And she didn't ask me another question. And a minute later, she drifted off to sleep. And not once since has she asked me a single question about these monumental things that she can barely understand. She'd heard enough, and she'd seen enough to trust in all the rest. We can love completely without complete understanding. We can trust completely without understanding that which we trust. We can anchor our lives in a reality that we cannot fully understand. Love, trust, the resurrection of Christ and the coming kingdom of God. These are things that cannot be verified or falsified on our empirical rationalistic terms. But that does not make them any less real. For these are wonderful mysteries. And their wonder and their mystery make them no less worthy of our time and our attention and allegiance, but instead they make them all the worthier. For eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor even Newton comprehended what God has prepared for those who love him. So on this Easter Sunday, let us behold this wonderful, inexplicable, incomprehensible, jaw-dropping truth that on this day, the Nazarene Jesus, the human image of the invisible God, is risen indeed. Amen.